Welcome to Will, Will We, we make, make It Out Alive? I'm Amy, the poop detective. And I'm Jen, the magical mapper. Welcome to episode 20, Surviving the Sound and the Pandemic. In this episode, we're bringing you the second part of an interview we conducted last fall with Joy from Long Live the Kings, where we will learn more about the organization Long Live the Kings and their mission, and how to survive the sound. If we survive the pandemic. Before we dive in, we would like to acknowledge the extraordinary time that we are all in. Boy, little bit's changed since the last month, uh, huh, Jen? Uh, yeah, I'd say a lot has changed. So in case you are completely unplugged from reality, there's a pandemic, uh, the... SARS-CoV-2? It's some pretty serious stuff. Most notably, we are almost all, not everyone, most states are on stay-at-home orders. We like to call it quarantine, but it's stay-home and stay-healthy orders. Right, yeah. It's definitely hit here. New York has been really hard hit. I think there are over 100,000 cases now. We have over a million cases worldwide. Mm -hmm. Over 1.2 million. Holy camoly, it's just going up so quickly now. Yeah. Lots of deaths. But yeah, just totally unprecedented. Like millions of Americans are staying at home. It's interesting times, though, for sure. Hopefully, you know, if you are staying at home, you're with somebody or nobody, if that's what's best for you. <laughs> that you get along with but if you are with somebody that's, that's that this would be a rough time period to not be in a comfortable situation that's definitely, for sure definitely feeling very fortunate and grateful and thankful for my ability to stay home and stay healthy right now yes definitely so speaking of that cat fact already yay already so you know you know how cats love boxes they love just like getting in a box and curling up and cuddling up in a box, right? Uh -huh. So we're not entirely sure why they do that, but there have been some studies done actually. And some animal experts think that it's since it's kind of an enclosed space, it makes them, the cats feel like they're back in the womb. <laughs> and so they kind of feel more protected and secure and important. And... There was even a study done on shelter cats, and the ones that were provided boxes adjusted faster and were less stressed out than the kitties that were not given boxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sleeping in a box also potentially might help them retain more body heat, so it stays nice and toasty and therefore more relaxing. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you all have the luxury of staying safe at home right now. Yes. Also, we'd like to remind everybody that uh, this April 22nd is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, which was started back in 1970. Wow. Jen was already a grandma at that <sighs> point in time. I was just about to say, I can't believe that was 50 years ago. I was not born yet, FYI. Nobody knows that. <laughs> Nobody could know that. 
And while we, you know, it's a little bit unfortunate because typically a lot of Earth Day activities revolve around restoration and getting outdoors and kind of participating in the great outdoors and helping contribute to their conservation and restoration. And I think there will still be ways that you can participate. It may not be in those traditional ways. Oh, yeah. No, there's absolutely ways you can participate. For example, you can go donate to any one of your favorite local restoration groups. Exactly. This is a great time to do that. We're going to talk about one that you could contribute to in just a little bit. We are. Watch our Facebook page to see more about how you can participate social distance style. Now for part two of our interview that we started last fall with Joy. The first part of the interview can be heard in episode 16, Why Did the Salmon Swim Upstream? That episode focused on salmonsies in general. And today we're going to hear more about the specific programs that Long Live the Kings is involved with. If you haven't heard episode 16 yet, you may want to go back and listen before continuing with this episode. As a reminder, Joy Waltermeyer is a steelhead biologist who has worked for Long Live the King since 2006. She and Amy go way back, uh, you know, how they were child prodigies, so it still makes perfect sense i guess what obviously makes perfect (laughs) sense if you want to learn more about how joy got here definitely go back and listen to episode 16 and we'll put that link in our show notes we're going to jump in where joy is explaining the specific programs that long live the kings is involved with one of the projects that we work on here at Lilywap conservation facility is um, working with the hood canal steelhead project and Part of that project is going out and actually doing some hook and line sampling on both adults and juveniles to sort of track the genetic impacts or benefits of the project, as well as to get a little more life history data on the fish at the various stages of their life. Part of our project is going out, letting fish spawn in the wild. So they pick their mate, they pick their location and their timing. And then we go and remove the embryos and then raise them until they're either two-year-olds when they're a smolt or four-year-olds when they're an adult. One of the four-year-old fish that we released into the Hammahammer River was a female. Over the years, we called her Bertha because we released her at age four. At age five, we caught her just about on the same exact spot where she had spawned the year before. Then we caught her again at age seven and... We didn't catch her the following year, but there was, in fact, a nest right in that same spot. So that's just one fish who spent her first four years in a hatchery and was capable of spawning and surviving that long. What we have found with our project in removing those embryos and raising these fish to different stages of their life is that there's a fair amount of hybridization going on. The Hood Canal Steelhead Project was developed and implemented in response to the steelhead being listed on the Endangered Species Act as threatened. And originally, the project began on the Hammahammer River as an experiment to see if hatcheries could be used to recover stocks, in this case steelhead, that were on the verge of extinction. The thought being, go in with human interaction for a very short duration, monitor the population before, during, and after, and see if using a conservation hatchery system can actually increase 
not only the numbers, but also not having a negative effect on the genetics or the well-being of the population at hand. So what we found was that utilizing the methods of letting the fish spawn on their own, we raise them until they're either at the age where they smolt and leave the river or return back to the river to spawn at age four adults that we were actually seeing an increase in the genetic diversity of these populations, as well as the number of spawners and offspring that we would catch in our smolt trap or during our hook and line sampling of the one-year-old juveniles. So it was actually more diverse populations. Do you guys have an idea of why you were seeing that? Well, yeah. And we're working with Dr. Barry Berejikian from NOAA. His team and their geneticist found that we are actually increasing the genetic diversity. Thought being that when you have such a limited population, so we're talking when we started that project on the Hamahama between 6 and 15 spawners, not pairs, spawners, Wow. that the genetics are very limited. Also during that time is why we believe that the rate of hybridization occurred and why there's so many hybrids in these systems. And What did they hy- hybrid with? They would hybridize. <laughs> so the steelhead, <laughs> because of these limited populations, the steelhead would spawn. And if there were no other steelhead, there would be resident rainbow trout or coastal cutthroat or some other lineage of hybrids that had resulted from so few fish in the system. And so by increasing the number of direct spawners on the spawning ground through our four-year-old adult releases, as well as the returning smolts that we would release at age two, there was a larger pot to make the magic happen. So our methods here at our conservation facility differ from those at a traditional hatchery because most every hatchery that is run by either the Department of Fish and Wildlife or the U.S. Fish and Wild Service, the various tribes around the state, for the most part, they are to enhance fisheries and fishing opportunities. So they are putting out numbers to ensure that there will be a number of adult fish coming back. That people can go fish for. Yes. The stocks that we work with here, we're just looking to boost their numbers so that they can sustain themselves and survive for generations to come. I should say that the stocks that we work with here are listed on the Endangered Species Act, and so they're actually not open for harvest locally here. So in, for instance, Hood Canal, you cannot go out to any of these rivers and actually go catch a steelhead. There is some native tribal sustenance fisheries that occur, but that's a very low number. There's no commercial or recreation fishing allowed. And certainly, because all of these Hood Canal origin fish utilize the Pacific or the Salish Sea, there is also commercial fishing that occurs outside of this region that can result in bycatch or or harvest. And so when you talk about what's different here is we're working with very low numbers so we can produce a very high quality fish that hopefully will mirror and reflect exactly what is, is naturally occurring. And by using the hatchery for such a short duration, we're not going to take away from the vitality of the stock itself or hopefully not overrepresent any hatchery impact Genetics. on the wild stock. Right. Yeah. So our goal here is to produce high quality fit fish that would mirror what you would find naturally occurring in all these rivers. 
is that adipose fin clipped on your guys's fish then still showing yep. that it was reared in a hatchery or they are and that's not so much for the harvest piece but so we can identify them on the spawning ground right when we worked with the summer chum they were not actually clipped they were what we call otolith marked. And so as the embryo is developing, there's a small bone in the brain. And if you visualize it, think of like a cross cut of a tree and how there's the rings of the tree. And so every hatchery gets a unique code, a schedule from the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And by exposing the fish during that embryonic state to very cold water, you can alter the width of those rings. What? Yeah, I know. But really, it's just the alteration of the width and the pattern of the rings, if you will. So each hatchery has a unique barcode, if you want to think hmm. of the rings and laying out as a barcode. barcode. But just exposing them to water that is maybe 5 to 10 degrees cooler than the natural water that they would be incubating upon. And then, so instead of having the adipose fin clipped on these fish... When they come back to spawn and die, I have the pleasure and other biologists around the state have the pleasure of going out and cutting open these fish and removing the teeny tiny small bone from their brain. And I mean, really, it's we're talking like less than half of a tic-tac, but just a very, I mean, it's not at all round. It's a flat bone. So it's very small and it contains an incredible amount of information. And so not only can you determine which hatchery the fish are from, but also if fish are straying from one hatchery system into a wild system that doesn't have a hatchery or a different river that has a hatchery system. So that's called the otolith. In the olden days, you know, now we have these chillers that run on electricity, but historically people would just expose the eggs to an ice bath or something. It's just that simple, huh? And for how long? It's usually about 12 to 24 hours, one day on, one day off, one day on, one day off for a series of a couple few weeks. And that creates the imprinted barcode. Exactly. And so each hatchery would have a different schedule. But with the steelhead, it is just the adipose fin. And to be clear, when we release the smolts, they're adipose clipped. We, depending on the system, will release somewhere between, let's say, 1,500 and a few thousand in the larger systems, maybe closer to 20,000. And, you know, a portion of those return. Well, the adults we put out, we know if we're releasing 300 adults, there's going to be 300 adults in the spawning ground. So those are all adipose clipped as well. But we also put in an external tag. So as we're on the spawning grounds, we can observe the different interactions and can really track the productivity of the fish that we're releasing. And Remarkably, these fish spend four years in a tank, and for the most part, they spawn within 12 to 48 hours. Wow. Do you guys do something on on this end here as far as timing where you're looking to see when they're plump and ready to go? Yes. I mean, because of the high predation rate in the rivers, yes, we do. And we certainly don't want to create more of a predator happy or favoring predation because we don't want to put extra pressure on any of the fish, let alone fish returning from the saltwater. Right. So we go through and physically will feel the bellies and wait until the females are expressing eggs. Males tend to squirt their sperm at a pretty early age. So we don't like to release a female without a male. 
and we don't want to release a female if she's still bright or not at that point where she's ready to spawn. And then you said that, so you release 300 and you expect then 300 spawners, but because of predation, you probably don't actually get 300 spawners, or you do because they're out for such a short period of time. That well, it's okay, and the 300 number is more, think of, it's not always perfect, but probably like 150 pairs. Right. And because they spawn so quickly, we think that the predation doesn't it's pretty occur low. Yeah, at, at a high rate for the adults we put in. But certainly when salmon return to a system, nature is keyed into it. So that be the bears, the eagles, the otters, and they are opportunistic with right. their feeding. So we try to release the fish throughout the system. So there's not really one hot bed of fresh meat. And we do know that there is some predation that occurs sure. just through looking at scat or finding carcasses. But that's not only the fish that we release as adults. It really does naturally occur. Well, and I think it was probably back in the 07 flooding events along Hood Canal. Uh, we had some pretty major washouts. That's my, my visual memory along this West Shore was just like all of those creeks, they were full of rock, like larger rock. And, you know, then they, when they start the dugout project, like you just get these huge mounds of gravels that were completely filling these smaller like channels. Like, yeah, like, like yeah. maybe there was interspatial flow within the, the rocks, but like it wasn't at the surface anymore at right. all. And, that, and then how do fish survive in that? Well, and so much of that water goes subsurface because of that. And so it really becomes this lack of available surface flow. They can't survive in that, actually. <laughs> fish need water right so long live the kings do they work specifically with steelhead or do they work with other salmon restoration conservation as well long live the kings is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to restore wild salmon and steelhead to the pacific northwest waters a tiny goal this small yeah we are a 12 person organization founded in the late 80s here at Lilywap, this conservation facility was built and in operation by 1993. And we're working primarily here on Hood Canal with listed species of salmon and steelhead. We do have a facility up on Orcas Island that is more of a terminal fish hatchery. And so essentially the thought was to contribute Chinook salmon to the Salish Sea and areas around Orcas Island to, one, take pressure off of the wild runs of salmon because there is harvest that occurs up there. But also, and ultimately over time, the importance has shown through to feed the orcas. Mm -hmm. Long Live the Kings works with the local and federal governments, facilitating management and policy, as well as helping to create recovery plans. And really, we do a lot of facilitation where we sit in a room and kind of try to just keep the ball rolling towards productivity. The original project that was started up on Orcas Island worked with Chinook. And so it was a... It's and a catchy it, name. Was it part of Orca Recovery at that point in time? Or no, was that it point, before we kind of realized the importance of the Chinook in the Orca puzzle? Exactly. No, that's it was really to alleviate pressure on the wild stocks. From fishing? From fishing. And so to contribute, uh, it was started a terminal hatchery. And so basically it utilized water that was coming off of Mount Constitution. And it went right into East Sound. And 
essentially we built this hatchery, brought eggs from a local stock in, and then we could release these fish that wouldn't cause any impact on the rearing of naturally produced fish, on the, take any habitat or anything away, and then would essentially just create a fishery for adults in an area too where you wouldn't have pressure being put on a, a naturally produced stock. And then I should say we did some work in Midhood Canal with fall Chinook supplementation to keep the numbers up as part of our work with the local stocks. And we're thinking now that maybe we need to shift more to a spring Chinook stock because actually come to learn that all of the fall Chinook here in Hood Canal are actually origins, offspring of the Green River origin Chinook. And that's what the hatcheries just started producing because they performed so well. And so it's after... Most all, if not all, of the native fall Chinook and Hood Canal were harvested. Um, they repopulated these these systems with Green Green River. River. Hmm. And so you see that a lot in hatcheries are utilizing stocks that are not necessarily from the area, but that have performed well. For instance, we are partnering with Tacoma Power and the Skokomish tribe to help uh, reestablish the runs in the North Fork of the Skokomish that the Lake Cushman Dam and Tacoma Power Hydro Project has removed. And so the Tacoma Power Group are reintroducing coho, steelhead, spring chinook, and actually also sockeye back into the North Fork of the Skokomish. We are raising the adult steelhead for that portion. And while the hatchery was being built, we actually raised the first two years of the spring Chinook. Well, those fish came from a tributary of the Skagit River and are actually performing very well here. They had their first returns of adults. And so even though they were raised here and hatched here from eggs from the Skagit, they still returned back to the North Fork to both spawn and to be taken into for their hatchery brood stock. So are there any other kind of citizen science or stewardship opportunities that you'd like to highlight? Or is it mostly like ideally like did long live the kings do anything else where they have like volunteer opportunities? I mean, we have a few opportunities throughout the year up on our Orcas Island facility called Glenwood Springs around this time of year when the kings are coming back. Like I said, a terminal facility. So these fish are basically swimming into a small creek that's been diverted through a fish ladder and a pond. And they are held in the pond until volunteers and our facility manager up there go through and actually spawn them like a typical or traditional hatchery might, which is, you know, as savage as it is, you whack them on the head and spawn them in a bucket. Um, There's other science, of course, that goes into tracking those genetics and the health uh, issues. But that's a big, I mean, a certainly disconnected from a lot of people because Orcas Island is is hard to get to. But right now here at, at this facility, we don't really have many opportunities. We do partner with an organization called the Hood Canal Salmon Enhancement Group. Mm-hmm. And they're out of Belfair. Washington here on Hood Canal, and they run their fish traps. And so basically, Mm -hmm. as the adult chum or summer chum are swimming back into the rivers to spawn, each fish is counted and then passed over this barrier so that 
they have the total number of fish into the system. And then subsequently, when the juveniles are moving out, they're staff-operated um, juvenile traps. So that's a really great way to get involved. They accept volunteers. Pretty sure it's August through October. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to drive along the, the North Shore Road because they keep a live count every day. And yeah, it's a really great way to get the hands-on involvement. Yeah. But yeah, no, we're more of just kind of a science-based. So a lot of what we're doing is is very experimental and, and for research. And um, we go to very inaccessible places. And so there's a safety issue. And um, ultimately, it's it's just a lot of kind of like trained eyes. And so not to say people can't learn it, but our involvement right, right now is yeah. just much more limited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was great to hear a little bit more from Joy about Long Live the Kings and what they do. Lots of good projects they're working on there. So we know in episode 16, we talked about Survive the Sound, but it's time now to actually get signed up for Survive the Sound. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the program again and some of the changes that they have this year. And most importantly, how you can join us on the Will We Make It Out Alive team. Yeah, we could have been more creative with a fun fish pun name, but it's a relevant question when looking to survive the sound. Accurate. Right? This year's actual race will be held from Monday, May 4th to Friday, May 8th. And that means you can actually sign up until May 3rd and pick your fish and get on our team. Yeah, get on our team. So in case you don't remember, Lung of the Kings Survive the Sound is an online game slash contest <laughs> that tracks steelhead migration as they make their journey out of several river systems into Puget Sound or Hood Canal. And they use cute little fish avatars that represent real stillhead, which is a fish similar to salmon. And their movements are based on real fish that are released into these rivers as juveniles on their way out to the ocean. And the goal is to see which fishes make it out of Puget Sound alive and which one makes it out the quickest. Ooh. So this is a free event. You can join, and it's a great way to learn about some of the potential perils of the steelhead. And that's part of the reason why they actually collect this tracking data in real life so that scientists can better understand why fish are dying. If you'll remember, we did talk about this in episode 16, but it's always fun to watch what the Nisqually fish does versus the Skokomish steelhead. And it'll be really interesting this year because they added the Duwamish River, which enters Puget Sound just on the uh, south side of Seattle and obviously has a lot more urban impacts. So I did just select a Duwamish fish to add to our team because I'm really curious to see what that one does comparatively me too the nisqually river it's located in south puget sound near olympia and it's definitely i mean it's got some buildup around it but it's way more rural than the duwamishes and then the skokomish river which is on the southwest corner kind of of hood canal is pretty rural there's a little bit of development around it too but also pretty rural so kind of seeing those different things i remember from our fish last year like the nisqually fish took a lot longer to get out of the river system where the skokomish fish that we had on our team like got out of there really quick Mm -hmm. but then of course was foiled by the bridge and you'll have to you'll just have to get a fish and see what happens if they can make it under this bridge that crosses kind of the entrance of hood canal 
you know, sometimes they actually die when they're zooming around trying to figure out how to get under the bridge. So just interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Already our team has fish from Nisqually, Skokomish, and Duwamish, but we want more. So come and join our team. Yeah, we want all the fish. Also, if you make donations... That's super cool because that also gets tallied up for our team. And right now it's going to get more, I'm sure, as time goes on. But there's not a lot of donations. Mm -hmm. The number three spot for donations is only $135 right now. So I feel like we could legitimately put ourselves in spot number three right now. We probably can't maintain it because the other ones are like thousands of dollars. Well, and I feel like it takes a minute to show up because... I know I donated and it's still showing our team at zero. So Oh, I also donated, yeah. so yeah, it must take a minute for it to refresh then or something. Yeah. That's malarkey. Right. I donated six thousand dollars. How much did you donate? <laughs> Not six thousand dollars. <laughs> Come join our team and donate six thousand dollars so we can get in first place for the donations. Right. Will we make it out alive? That's the team. Right. Also, obviously, this is a great social distancing activity that you can still enjoy remotely with friends because even if you're on the same team, you can still race with each other to see how far your fish makes it and when your fish dies and stuff like that. It's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Pretty fun to rib each other about. Definitely. So pick a fish. They've got great names and cute little drawings. I love them all. And join our team or you can start your own, but you can't really because we will find you and there will be no more social distancing for no. you. Join our team. Yes. Uh, do that by May 3rd. The races start on May 4th and continue through the 8th. And you can actually change your fish this year, too. So if you pick one and then decide that's not what you want, you can go back and pick another one. And I wasn't able to figure it out while I was picking my fish. But after you pick your fish, it gives you the stats about your fish, like how big it was when they put the radio transmitter on it and how much it weighed and its length and stuff like that. So you can actually look at some of those stats. And if you decide you don't like your fish, you could try another one and see if you find a different one that you like better. Just saying, that's mm-hmm. a possibility. Or if you just, you know, have a really hard time deciding, you can choose one. And then if you were like, oh, that was a horrible decision. This one's much cuter. You can change mm-hmm. it based on that too. You, know, however you choose. So, like I said, join our team. Join our team. Join our team. There are also new fish this year, and so get one of those fish and then join our team. Uh, link in our show notes to the race and where how you can join our team. Also, you can share the link of how to join our team with anyone you know that might be interested in fish and Puget Sound. And joining our team. And you can join from anywhere you have internet connection. So you don't have to live in the Puget Sound region. In fact, it's a great way to learn about fish in the Puget Sound region and some of the things that they're dealing with. Exactly. And join our team. Right. And make a donation. I already made a $6,000 donation. (laughs) I made a slightly smaller donation (laughs) that you can't see yet. And the larger the team is, it increases our communal chances of winning with the most surviving fish. So join our team. Yes. And if you'd like to do even more, obviously, like we already said, consider donating to Long Live the Kings. Or you can also sign up to volunteer with them, although probably not a lot of volunteer opportunities right now. I'm just saying. Instead, you could join our team. Yes. 
I mean, if you want to feel like you're doing something, right, join our team. Join our team. Yeah. And we'd love to make top three donation list, even if it's just for a day or two. It's right now, I think it was 135 with uh, the third place donation. And Jen and I just put down 40. Well, I put down 40. What did you put down? Oh, I think I only did 25. Oh, Jen, you're dead to me. Sorry. Well, that's still that's still <laughs> 65 right there. So that's we're almost halfway to uh, 135. So that's just a couple more people with a few more dollars. And we can definitely get into third place mm-hmm. if you join our team. If you join our team, we only need you to put in like a dollar. If everybody just joins our team like you're supposed to, then exactly. it's, it's basically free for everyone to mm-hmm. do a really easy donation. Yeah. Join our team. Also, you help save Pacific Northwest iconic salmon and steelhead and the fish orca need to survive. Join our team. Join our team. Links in our show notes. Join our team. So there you have it. The end of episode 20. We hope you've laughed and been distracted from the pandemic for a while, even though we talked about it a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit not, though. Yeah. And we hope that we've inspired you to make it out alive and wash your hands. Yeah. And stay home. Washing your hands. And if you do have to go out, wear a mask now Mm -hmm. and keep six feet away minimum from all people. But just don't go out if you don't have to. Exactly. Don't forget to join our team. Yeah. Don't forget that. This episode, we brought you the second part of the interview we did last fall with Joy Weltermeyer, where we learned more about Long Live the Kings the organization and some of the projects that they're working on and we invite you to join our team for survive the sound game and the best way to do that is by just joining our team yep. link in our show notes or find our team which is will we make it out alive exactly that's our team so uh please join us for our next episode if we make it till our next episode <laughs> fingers crossed Jen is both, um, you know, as health concerned underlying condition and is part of the elderly population. Hey. So we're real worried about her right now. Jen, please just stay inside. Don't go out. Wash your hands. I will. We're all worried about you, Jen. Thanks for your uh, worry and support. And now, because I said those things out loud and this is being recorded, you absolutely can't get coronavirus and die because I will just feel like the worst person ever in the world. I will try not to. Yeah, don't do that. Okay, good. So, uh, yeah, join us for our next episode if we make it to our next episode, The Great Recycling Myth. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, and join our team. And holy cow, you guys, guess what? Guess what? What? We got our first review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> and you could be our second review. If you act now. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else do you have to do during this pandemic while you're hopefully, you know, staying indoors or, and socially? Or as Jen says, socially distancing. Mm-hmm. I say trapped indoors. So please don't forget to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts like you know tune in Castbox, himalaya iHeartRadio. you know wherever. you know all the places please let us know what you think at outoflifepodcast.com or on our facebook page facebook.com slash will we make it out alive also if you're more visually inclined we do still have our youtube page and all those links are in our show notes and join our team until next time please join our team because next time i think it will be the week ooh. of won't it will ooh, it ooh. is it is ooh. yep it will be releasing on the fifth we'll be so right in the thick join of it. our team
so until next time will we make make it it out alive this is amy the poop detective saying peace out y'all stay home wash your hands and this is jen the magical mapper also please be safe please wash your hands please stay home unless you absolutely have to go out and thank you to all those who do absolutely have to go out like the seriously so sorry that that is even a thing right now and that we are so grossly underprepared yes so please stay home flatten that curve flatten that curve flatten that curve we didn't even talk about it but flatten that curve because you all know what it means now right but hopefully you spend some time getting caught up on will we make it out alive during your downtime that you hopefully have at home Mm -hmm. right now and you know you can spare a few minutes leaving us a review and joining our team bye Bum, 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 bum. This is Too the loud. end of a song. I mean, this is the end of a show. Somebody wanted some music, and I've always wanted to sing, you know.